guys, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the, joining me in the studio, Richard Uden and Louise Torres. What's up, fellas? Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good. All right. So uh, uh, packed, uh, packed weekend, um, all three major series in action as well as uh, the little Tony Stewart uh, SRX thing. Um, so, but let's, uh, let's lead off with formula one today. Um, we'll kind of go, ooh. go through the race. Oh yeah, I know. Me, me, me. We'll, we'll go, we'll go through the race and they happen. And so we're Paul Ricard and Paul Ricard. We always expect a snoozer. You know what I mean? A yeah. lot of times the, the most fun to think about is at the talk about with Paul Ricard is that goofy looking trophy of the gorilla painted okay. up like a French flag, right? It's almost like uh, the Dover monster, isn't it? The monster yeah, from Dover. yeah, except yeah. the monster from Dover actually looks pretty cool. <laughs> oh, come on. It looks it looks pretty decent. The only thing that makes it awkward is no Pirelli tire because it's not the title sponsor of the event this year. I mean, in 21 compared to 19. There you go. Yeah. True, true, true. Okay, well, there's our trophy talk out of the way, you know, the, yeah. uh, the, the giant gorilla. Um, <laughs> but uh, so... Uh, Paul Ricard turned out to be anything but a snooze fest yeah. because we had a, a lot of um, differing strategies, you know, when we saw what happens with the one stop versus the two stop. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it was uh, Max for stopping, taking the win um, third win in the row for the Red Bull team. Um, mm-hmm. Fourth win overall for the Red Bull team. Third win on the season for Max Verstappen. Takes a nice little lead over a uh, Hamilton in the points. So uh, Richard, I'll just, I'll just let you, uh, Take it away because uh, again, you know, we usually expect Paul Ricard to be, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, not only as you say it's a snooze fest, and that's either because the racing's boring or you become hypnotized by the uh, the sort of psychedelic uh, runoff areas that they have yeah, around the there. Spirograph, the traction comp or the traction, the grippy surface. Um, but yeah, it is. It's not. It's a bit like Barcelona, I mean, because it's, it's basically a test track. That's its job. It used to be called that, I think, the high-speed test track for a while before it was rebranded. But, uh, you know, it, it is a test track, and it, it's not designed for racing. But they, they've managed to put together a half-decent circuit. And, this, you know, they could always make it better, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was again, a, you know, a gripping race, um, you know, based around strategy, which is always good to see and always exciting. Um, you know, again, you had the issues of red flags in qualifying, um, you know, knocking a couple of the guys out there that you would have thought, um, you know, maybe would have gone through to Q3 and maybe even Q4. That's like Q2 and Q3 there. Uh, you know, Mick Schumacher actually spanned coming out of turn six and hit the wall, which helped him because it, it meant he got to Q2 for the first time, but obviously it prevented some of the other guys from being able to go out instead of fast lap. Sonoda again, unfortunately, um, had an incident like two corners into his first flying lap. So not only did that mean he started last, but it also 
uh, had quite a detrimental impact on a lot of the other guys who had already started flying laps on the tyres and already got the heat cycle in there. And as we saw throughout the race, uh, tyre deg was, was a huge uh, factor here. And, um, you know, the soft tyres, you were struggling to get a whole lap on them in, in many, many ways. Through qualifying, the top 10 all did Q2 on the medium tyre, so they would start the race on the medium rather than the soft. So, so getting into the race, you know, coming out of qualifying, apart from a couple of guys being out of place at the back, it was pretty much as you expected. Two Red Bulls, two Mercedes on the front two rows. Uh, Verstappen on pole, Hamilton second, uh, about two, two, two and a half tenths down. Uh, Verstappen and Hamilton both got good starts, you know, Verstappen leading and then sort of he got a little bit loose, excuse me, in turn one. And ended up exiting, exiting track in turn two. And he, he managed to avoid having to go through the sort of runoff. And I thought he was very lucky to avoid a penalty there. There was a, you know, if you if you went to the right of these bollards, bollards coming out of turn one, then you have to go through a little like chicane of, of cones. And they deemed that he actually exited the track going into turn two rather than turn one. So it was all a little bit... Yeah, I think he got a little bit lucky there. So the secret now, guys, is if you're going up in turn one, just slide your way through turn one and run out at turn two rather than go straight on at turn one and you'll be fine. Um, not I'll, I'll remember that, that the next time I'm entered in the French Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. just, as, you know, just, no. just as a note, side <laughs> note, you know. Hey, you know, free advice is good advice. Um, so it, it sort of settled down. So then anyway, Verstappen ended up, uh, you know, behind Hamilton through that, to that little runoff, and it sort of settled down, and um, you you say, oh, "Okay, here we go." And um, you have a step and stop first, and then Hamilton stopped. I think it was a lap, maybe two. No, it was a lap later, wasn't it? And he had about a three second lead at this point, and it was about what lap fifteen or something, I think twelve, fifteen. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, Verstappen will get in a little bit on the undercut because he's got fresh hard tyres rather than old mediums. And he may have that deficit. And the next thing you know, Verstappen's taking the lead. It was incredible. It's like, where did this come from? And, um, you know, for the next 10, 15 laps or so, Verstappen held position and kept on a bit. And he was saying, you know, he was saying on the radio, these tyres aren't going to last. And watching the race, I think you've got to pit him. You've got, you know, you know the undercut is so strong. You, if you, you know, they had say, and um, I think it was like thirty-six laps to go from when he first pitted. So eighteen laps was half it. You want to undercut that slightly. So I said, you know, stop after sixteen laps on those tires. And I think they stopped after fifteen laps on those tires. And you know, Hamilton knew that he couldn't react. You know, if he'd stopped he would have come out well behind and just been able to follow because they'd be on the same set of tyres. So Hamilton's strategy was to stay up there and try and nurse the tyres to the end. Um, Bottas was in the same position uh, behind him and they just couldn't do that. And, and Verstappen was reeling him in. Now, there was a point there that I thought Verstappen actually cooked his tyres and wasn't going to be able to do it. But um, no, he'd obviously saved a little bit of life in there and, and managed to get it done at the end and with a couple of laps to go past past Hamilton on the back straight, going to that uh, that little chicane there. But it was a, you know, a, a really solid race. And, you know, they, they I think both drivers drove fantastically. You know, Hamilton to nurse those tyres and almost hold on to the win. And Verstappen to put in those really consistent, fast, you know, almost Schumacher-esque when Schumacher was back in the day. 
And, uh, you know, it was so good to watch. And it was too, you know, we talked about it, haven't we? These are two guys at the top of their game. And we may never have seen, in Formula One anyway, two such talents, you know, pushing each other as hard as they have in two equally matched cars. You know, yeah, you prof center maybe. Is this is is this closer? I, I maybe it is because they're in different teams, so you have that extra added thing. You know, Senna and Prost, McLaren could have turned up with a dog of a car and still be racing each other every week. So at least with this, you've got the the teams pushing each other as well as the um, drivers. But it was fantastic. And yeah, I mean, it's it's really refreshing to see you know the battle at the top be between two teams. You know, we've seen yeah, you know Ferrari get close there. You know, back. Uh, yeah, a couple of races, a few years Monaco. ago when when when, yeah, yeah. when Vettel was winning a couple yeah. here and there, um, but but you know, but largely it was you know between Hamilton yeah. and whoever his teammate was at the time, you know, whether it be Rosberg yeah, or or, or, or Bottas. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's really neat that we got two different teams in here. And when's the last time that uh, a team other than Mercedes was leading in wins at this point in the season? I mean, Ferrari, what, in 19, was it? Before they had that engine, their wings were clipped on the engine regulation, maybe. Maybe uh, that yep. was when it was last close. Uh, yeah. but you'd be having to go back to pre hybrid era when, when what 2013, when that was the last time Red Bull, you know, won three in a row. Uh, but you know, I, I think there's also some other standout performances again. You know, McLaren are looking strong, they've overtaken Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship for third place. Now, Lando Norris again kept up his uh, only drive to score points in every race, um, you know, drove great. And, and Danny Ricciardo had another really strong race. He had a f- fantastic start. If you, if you manage to get to watch his onboard start, he goes right around the outside at turn one. And it's, it's oh, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic start by Ricciardo. Um, yeah, McLaren, also, McLaren they, they beat everybody except, you know, the Red Bulls and the Mercedes. Yeah. So they're, they're, and, they've, they've cemented themselves right there as the, oh, yeah. the, the best of the rest. Sure. You know, and Ferrari has seemed to have fallen even farther backwards, you know, and, and even I think, well, you know, it, yeah. Alpha Torre, I it think. It felt like a relatively off week for Ferrari and McLaren to solidify is probably the best in the rest, which used to be fourth onwards. Now it's basically a clear third onwards with McLe- with Red Bull and Mercedes well ahead of everybody else right now. But you look at, you know, this weekend as well was the, you know, there's a lot of fallout from the uh, Baku-Azerbaijan um, race and the tire failures. So there was new pressure limits set by the FAA and, and, a, and a couple of other, um, you know, regulations that they put in place and Pirelli had put in place to hopefully prevent that from happening. Um, so I, I think Ferrari probably were the biggest victims of those changes, which, you know, so, well, maybe they were pushing the tires harder than anybody else. And they were, they didn't have any issues, which was ironic really. But, uh, you know, McLaren had a great race and, and somebody who, you know, we, we call him Mr. Saturday. Well, turned out to be Mr. Sunday. George Russell finished 12th in the Williams and drove a fantastic race. Uh, you know, didn't have a great start. You know, Sonoda and Stroll, who were behind him uh, on the grid, got past him. And I think Latifi got past him for a while. And then when he went onto the hard tyre, I mean, he just, you know, set, you know, just kept moving up through the field. And, you know, to be honest, he was lucky. He was unlucky there wasn't a couple of retirements in you know the guys ahead of him and he nicked a point there but he drove a fantastic race and um you know he that's where he needs to start stepping up i think everybody's you know everybody knows his pace on a saturday you know he can ring that car 
you know, to within an inch of its life and, and get fantastic qualifying laps out of it. Still hasn't been out qualified in the Williams. Um, and he's two and a half seasons in now. Um, but, you know, some people have often questioned his performances on a weekend and the starts haven't been great. And his start wasn't brilliant. I think he dropped a couple of places on Sunday, but he really strung, like I said, that hard, hard, um, hard tyre stint there at the end was was fantastic and really, really good to see. Certainly. Now, well, I want to get back to the um, the Mercedes. Did you find their decision to make it a one-stop or curious? Uh, you Did know, you have any choice, it, 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 yeah, I, I get that because they, you know, with the undercut one, but Baltas yeah. was very, very animated on the radio. He was, you know, saying some words you probably shouldn't say on television, <laughs> uh, certainly. But uh, Hamilton, of course, seemed a bit calmer about the whole thing. Hamilton, again, who is a lot better at, uh, you know, when you say, you know, Lewis, we need you to save them tires and stretch them out. He's, you know, much more. Uh, able to, to, do, to be, do that, yeah. that perhaps yeah it tends to be yeah this is why he's uh won so many races and championships yeah he's but, not um, bad is he <laughs> yeah but i mean i mean but uh i mean but going in you know going into the race you know that you think they feel like they planned a one-stopper from the beginning and just there was no 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 turning back after that pretty much i think i think the degradation was higher than they expected and partly that there was rain, heavy rain on Sunday morning. And uh, if you got a chance to watch, I think it was the F3 race was actually running the wet on Sunday morning, which uh, um, that was correct. Leclerc, uh, Charles Leclerc's brother won uh, for his first win. So that was, uh, that was good. But uh, yeah, no, the, the, so the track was what they call green. A lot of the rubber had been washed off. So maybe the degradation was a little bit higher. And it was so close at the end there. You know, if there had been a little bit more rubber on the track, then maybe Verstappen wouldn't have been able to catch Hamilton and the tyres would have lasted a little bit longer. And, you know, all these tyre simulations and all these tyre models that they produce, and the teams produce terabytes of data on every race weekend for this sort of stuff. It's incredible what they can generate. Um, you know, sometimes it is just purely down to driver feedback. And uh, it's... You know, the teams have got to be able to, to react to it. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, reading the Mercedes sort of um, you know, post-race comments on the strategy call and, and pitting Hamilton, you know, that one lap after Verstappen. Now, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I thought, I thought Hamilton had about a three-second lead when Verstappen pitted. And, you know, then Verstappen made up basically three three and a half seconds in that pit stop cycle. And Mercedes themselves have turned around and said, we can't find half a second of that difference. You know, they're like, well, we, we know that he was quicker. Yeah, it was always good. The undercut was always going to be quicker, but we never thought it was going to be three and a half seconds. We thought it was two and a half, three. So we've lost half a second in our calculations and they still can't work out where it is. Um, maybe I should have used that. Maybe I should have used that excuse when I was doing like my maths exams in college. Well, I just lost half a second somewhere. It's in there somewhere, you know. Somewhere, yeah. Give me the marks for it. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that in the real world. So that's interesting. You know, again, it shows how clinical and how precise these guys are when it comes to strategy decisions and and the like. And when one of the things doesn't quite go right, it can really screw you up. And uh, you know, listening to Bottas's comments there, and I, I think they were perfectly justified, you know. Here's a guy who's arguably under pressure for his seat next year, and 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, he said, look, guys, you know, what more can I do? You know, you, 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 I'm giving you feedback and the feedback would have potentially won us the race or put us in a stronger position and you're ignoring it. And now I look crap because I'll finish fourth and not second. So that shouldn't be on me. And to Mercedes credit, you know, his race engineer was saying, you know, throughout the race, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Yeah, 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 all this sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I was when you look at the points total at the end of the season, there's not a little asterisk next to it and say, well, he drove a great race in, in France to come forth. You know? Yeah, yeah. Prizes yeah, yeah. at little, the end of the day. Pat, so. pat on the back for you there, yeah. But it yeah, just it you know. seems to me that, that uh, you know, and this is not to take anything away from, from Red Bull or Max Verstappen because those guys are, are you know, they're, they're banging on all cylinders right now. But it seems like when Mercedes loses, right, it, it seemed like they, they beat themselves. It's always, yeah. you know, a, a failed pit stop or fail strategy or, uh, you know, Lewis's driver error with the, with the brake thing. Um, you know, I, again, like I said, not to take anything away from, from Verstappen, but he's uh, you know, he's certainly been the benefactor of a Mercedes team that seems to be making more mistakes this season than typically we're used to seeing. Well, was that a mistake that what happened on, you know, on Sunday, their, their hand was forced by Red Bull. And you know who won that race for Red Bull? It was Perez. Perez won that race for them. They couldn't react to it because of where Perez was in the, on the track. You go back to Barcelona. Did Red Bull lose the race in Barcelona because Hamilton basically did what Verstappen did in Paul Ricard? No, I, I, I don't think that Mercedes lost the race. They just couldn't react to it. They didn't have the pace in the car and the tyre management availability to them to react. They just basically weren't quick enough. I, I, I really don't think Mercedes lost it. I think Red Bull won that race in the same way that Mercedes won Spain and, and Mercedes won Hungary a couple of years ago. Um, I think you've got to give all the credit to Red Bull there. They had you know, the, 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 their hand there and they played it perfectly. And you know, we, we go back to it. We talked about it a couple of times. Perez is the guy that won that race. If Perez had been languishing down in like sixth or seventh where Albon had been unfortunate the last few years, I don't think they would have been able to run that strategy. Um, or if they had, Red Bull or Mercedes would have been able to react with at least one of their cars and make it harder. Um, you know, so so I, I think Red Bull won that race rather than Mercedes lost it. All right, fair enough. Yeah, fair it enough. comes across that way because it's one of those where Paris was trying to chase down Bottas and it's one of those where we talked about this is the kind of thing that they paid him to do get at the podiums yeah. to keep Mercedes out exactly. of the, uh, in the points table and with Paris's tire management and yep. 
it, it that was a clear cut example where he finally broke through as the guy that you got to be careful for if you're going to win this constructors championship. Oh, for sure, yeah. And you know, Perez, you know, Perez has been put into one job and one job only to win the constructors championship, as you say, and. You know, he had a rocky start. You know, the first few races were a little bit, you yeah, know, but yeah, you know, uh, he has picked it up and he's really doing what he needs to do right now. So all credit to the guy. You can't, uh, you can't knock him that. He did exactly what was needed at Azerbaijan, picking up the pieces when, um, you know, Verstappen and uh, um, Hamilton had their issues. And yeah, you know, top marks to him uh you know did everything that's being asked of him yeah well good for him so uh so beyond that we had a uh, pierre gasly had another really good run to seventh yeah you know, i just uh i just you know every time i just i just you know for whatever reason i just i, I really like gasly i think he's a good dude and uh, you know he the is, way yeah. the way he's been you know promoted and demoted and back and forth i think he's really kind of uh you know found his footing and i just you know i just hope that maybe in the next couple of years, he gets out of that Alpha Turi into the, you know, into one of the one of the top seats. But uh, you know, we'll see there. You know, but uh, again, here's a guy who's a Grand Prix winner, yeah, um, and uh, that's not in one of the top cars. So another good no, run for him. No, it's very very good to say. Yeah, very 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 good. Great to see. Yeah, so we're off to um, the Red Bull Ring. Yeah, for two consecutive races. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. And uh, so, yeah, I guess you got to favor the Red Bulls there at the Red Bull ring, don't you? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think you've also got to maybe look at, um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, Bottas is normally pretty handy around there as well. So maybe Hamilton could be on the back foot. They'd be interesting to see what would happen if, you know, Red Bull and, you know, uh, Bottas was ahead of Hamilton there during the race. Would they swap him? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, Bottas needs to... He needs to make some things happen this season. You yeah. know, it's uh, again, like you say, he's, he's fighting for a seat. You got, uh, you know, George Russell, who's right there, ready to take that seat. So, um, yeah, Bonus needs a good couple of weeks at the, at the, the Red Bull ring. Mm-hmm. So, oh, for sure. And he's won there in the past. He won there last year. He's been competitive. Um, you know, so I think there's every chance that he'll, he'll do the same thing again this week. And um, yeah, you obviously you put, you know, Red Bull's favourites. They're really starting to hit their, you know, getting their stride there. Um, and, you know, Mercedes are, are, are doing the usual sort of don't like it when somebody else beats them. You know, they're questioning the Honda engine in the Red Bull there. They claim that, um, you know, they saw a power jump when uh, Red Bull upgraded their Honda, upgrade, or upgraded their engine. They didn't upgrade because they're supposed to be homogenised, but... Uh, uh, you know, swap the engines out because you're only allowed so many per season. So you you strategically swap engines in and out. So Paul Ricard was a brand new engine for Red Bull, um, and actually Azerbaijan was a new engine for the Mercedes car. And uh, unfortunately, Mercedes wasted that really. Um, and you know, Mercedes were like, "Oh, well, Red Bull's got this new. You know, they've they've you know gone to a new engine, and it's a lot quicker and all this sort of stuff." If you look at it, if you actually look at the photographs, Red Bull just ran less wing. You know, you can clearly see it that, you know, you can actually probably you know, visually look at the photographs. You can see that the uh, footprint of that rear wing on the Red Bull is far less than the Mercedes, which gave them the straight line speed because they can generate the downforce, which in turn generates, you know, the grip through the tires. 
in the medium and slow speed section. So they could run that skinny wing and, you know, it worked for them perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Perfectly. Yeah. Not ironically, uh, but- Red Bull and wings. Yeah, well, exactly. There you go. Red Bull gives you wings. wings. <laughs> so, yeah, but but again, we can We are only what seven races into the season, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a long season yet. And um, you know, we we just can't discount the fact that you know Ham- Hamilton is you know prone to sometimes having a bit of a slower start or or an early season kind of slump, but then he comes on strong at the end of the year. So, I don't uh, think he has had a slump this year. I'm really no, he's, he, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling it a slump, it, but uh, he started with the win, which was something he hasn't done in years. But well, yeah, all, to your all, point, all, all, all I'm saying is, yeah, that it's it's we, we we've known Lewis to come on strong at the end of the season, you know, oh, yeah. and and so I mean, Red Bull. It's having a great season, but they can't they can't let up at all. They can't get comfortable. No, can't. can't get comfortable no. at all. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be one of the better title fights we've seen in in a decade. Yep. I think it's even gonna be I think it's gonna be better than the Hamilton Rosberg one because you don't have the nastiness involved. I think there's a huge amount of respect between Verstappen and Hamilton. Oh, absolutely. And despite yeah. all the public bitching that's going on, I think there's a huge amount of respect between Mercedes and Red Bull and they're undoubtedly pushing themselves to new new heights and uh, and the like. And you know what? I also think it's great for next season because you wonder if Mercedes and Red Bull are taking the eye off the ball for 2022 a little bit. And, uh, you know, because they've got a championship to win this year, you know, you'd be stupid not to uh, to try and claim this year's prize. But would that be detrimental to next year? I don't know. And and, and you got to wonder who that's going to benefit, you know, McLaren perhaps, you know. Um, you know, jump in next year with the new car and start winning some races, you know? Wouldn't surprise me at all. I think yeah. McLaren will be very strong next year. Yeah, yeah McLaren probably due for a win next year. I think them, and I know Haas have already, before the season even started, already focused on 22. This is kind of like a, what you call a rebuild year in other oh, sports. Yeah. yeah. But I think, good? yeah, McLaren will be probably a preseason favorite. I wouldn't be surprised. No, not at all. Not not the way they're improving. Yeah. So I mean, again, you know, how much? I mean, with that Mercedes engine, how much of the same goods they're going to have as uh, as the Mercedes factory car, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, certainly, well, this is, certainly, they're making hay with what they have. This is interesting because this came up a few years ago. You know, this concept of, um, you know, what um, what support does a factory team get compared to a customer team? And, you know, I know that at times, you know, some of the factory teams have maybe not given optimum settings to their customers, um, but the, the FIA are clamping down on that and they're, they're actually being a lot more thorough in checking that. I know that, um, you know, a lot of the engine settings are checked and uh, a lot of the uh, parameters that are available to these teams are monitored and checked very, very closely by the FIA to prevent this from happening. Um you know, that's not to say there's still, you know, Mercedes, for example, could turn around to McLaren and say, well, you know, you need to have, you know, more cooling ducts and all this sort of stuff. And of course, the cooling ducts will increase your drag. Um, so there's little things like that um, that, uh, you know, they can always sort of play around with. But on the whole, I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty level playing field these days. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody else is, is winning in uh, with your Mercedes engine, it's still good marketing fodder for Mercedes. Oh, of course. You know, yeah. so yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to, 
I, you know, I guess kind of disable those guys too, too much. You know, obviously you like no. to keep the factory team with all the glory, but yeah, you can't sabotage the, uh, no. somebody who's also running your product. But no, it'd be great to see, uh, and it could be benefiting teams like Alpine as well. Um, you know, Ferrari as well, who knows, but it could be, yeah, it could be a great battle next year. Certainly. Yeah. Um, Gosh, we haven't I mean, yeah, this for, one and we're still talking about next year. Yeah. 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 And this is going to be, this was going to be a barn burner. So, all right. So, uh, shall we go around and pick a winner for the Red Bull ring? Louise, yeah. would you like to pick Sergio Perez? Mm, actually, I'm going to go with, let's go with Botas. I think sense of urgency. He won last one of the races a year ago. I think, I think, if he's going to really get that right next year and stop Russell, which is going to be insurmountable at this point, you prove yourself on race number one in Austria in front of Red Bull's home ground, Verstappen's army's home ground too, because you're going to have a slew of people, I'd imagine, down there, depending on, obviously, social distancing. So, yeah, Bortez redeems himself like he usually does once a year. <laughs> once a year. All right, so, uh, Richard, who do you like? Oh, let's go with Perez. I mean, all right, then, then I'll go. I'll go with Verstappen then. And uh, so then that being said, Hamilton will probably win now. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> make it great for the championship, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Tighten it yeah. up. So. All right. So that's where we're off to next. Uh, IndyCar race this weekend at Road America. Um, interesting little race there. We saw uh, it looked like Joseph Newgarden was going to have a pretty easy win on his, on his hands there, but uh gearbox failure at the, in the closing stages of the race. True. And, and, yeah. it was, and it was uh, Alex Palou who was right there to pick up the pieces, grab the lead off a of new garden and um, take the points lead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Louise, you want to go over the uh, IndyCar race a little bit? Yeah. That late race caution for the second straight race in a row, been new garden, because if you remember at Belle Isle, it was Colton Herta was chasing down New Garden. Then the caution for Grosjean happened. Who, by the way, Grosjean probably would have been is probably my driver of the day of that race. He had a phenomenal show. He really showed no remorse on his competitors and put on a, a phenomenal showing. Has to polish turn five a little bit though, because he did win wide multiple times when dealing with the likes of Hunter Ray and the other Andretti cars throughout the race. But great. Top five for him. But going back to Newgarden, it's the second straight race in a row where somebody was chasing him. The question is, can the runner-up driver catch Newgarden? In the late race costume, bunched everybody up. Last time at Belle Isle, it was tire grip, especially in the rear. This one was just gear shifting. It's like, Penske can't catch a break if the light depended on it. And Passional had an abysmal ending. The strategy didn't work out for him. Finished behind a lot of cars that he should be beating, but that's just how strategy works. Sometimes you just don't get it. And a late caution, which was for Ed Jones for the second straight race. No third straight race in a row, a Dale coin car brought out the final four course caution into closing laps. Bell Isle were both for Grosjean. And this one was Ed Jones with the right rear suspension breaking a Canada corner spun stall. His day was over which is not what Jones needs for long-term implications, which I will not go into details about that, but he really needs a good run if he's going to keep that ride in general because he just needs to because Jones came back from an off year, essentially, given this opportunity to cart has done good over the years with Bourdais, 
and even with Ferrucci that one year a little bit. Got to step it up a little bit, but new garden. He's got to step it up for sure. I mean, Ed Jones is, I mean, he, he came in, um, I believe with Dale Coyne, his first season. Yeah. And, and he then, started then, out good. Then given that, good, then, then, then he got the Ganassi ride, which, you know, on paper should be a pretty darn good ride. And, and he just wasn't able to capitalize on that. And now then now, then he found himself unemployed for a, a season. Now he's, now he's got another shot and he's just, uh, uh, again, he's just, he, he's got to you know, get, get his head in the game. Um, if he wants to stay in this series. Yeah. The race finishes has been uh, relatively inconsistent as it can get, but overall I would say good showing Pato had a long day. And that's why with Polo's victory, he went from trailing Pato by one point to now 28 and a track that in my eye, that's where he broke through when he drove for team go Dale coin a year ago, the first one where he got that podium in the 55 car. It didn't surprise me that Polo was going to be strong. I mean, he's in the car that won with Felix Rosequist a year ago, that 10 car. And yeah, I mean, Road America, it, it tends to uh, guys with a European upbringing. Yeah. They tend to catch on to that circuit pretty quickly because, uh, because Road America is pretty much the closest thing we have in the States to a, a, a European style. Mm-hmm. Uh, course there yeah. and so then you, you that's, why Groshan, how, that's why Groshan had fun with it and had fun with it that's why you've seen some uh you know in, in the early days you had these you know guys coming out of nowhere like Hector Rabake and uh yeah, Jacques, final Jacques, car racing he won it yeah man you know Jacques Villeneuve um Uncle Jacques had, had won a race there back in the 80s and you know other guys have just kind of taken really well to that Emerson field Fittipaldi's first road course win was on uh, road America. And he had a number of guys who won their first race at road America. Um, Frank Keaty's first win was a road America. Um, then tail Fabi too good. I know he is the Porsche win was in mid Ohio. That was in mid Ohio. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, I don't think I'm trying to think of, uh, I, I had listed them just the other day and I realized everybody uh, until Rosenquist, everyone that won their first race there, had a name that ended in a vowel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Rabake, Villeneuve, both both Jacques Villeneuve's won their first race. They're Frank Heaty. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it, those guys with the, the European experience, and even to Palou's point, even, you know, uh, uh, some of the tracks he ran in, in Superfilm in Japan are very similar to those European courses. So, you yeah, know, it, for, for him to kind of take to that, that track very well is not surprising. Yeah, speaking of European, Kevin Magnuson, when he stayed out to do some strategy work, he actually nailed that restart. He held his own quite well, but, but other than that, it was definitely a learning curve. You can tell it was one of those circumstantial moments where he got thrust into it right away without much preparation, which obviously what happened, Rosa, was nobody expected it to happen. I think he did all right. If anything else, he had a strong restart. Just the mechanical gremlins kind of bit him that knocked him out of the race, which was one of three retirees. And yeah, but you got to give the guy credit. You know, his first time sitting in an Indy car is the first, you know, practice session of that weekend. You know, no, no, no test time. No, uh, you know, yeah. other, than, other than a seat fitting, you know, they didn't even let him drive it in the driveway a little bit. Yeah. And ask you, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. ask you is another one who took over for Renas, Renas BK. He did pretty good. Another one that did a late race strategy that didn't quite work up, but he still got a top finish outside the top, just outside the top 10. Max Shilton 
wound up Ted, he actually made that thing work long enough to where he built a relatively sizable gap to where he didn't lose that many spots. So at the end of the day, for a team like Carlin and Max Hilton, a top 10, all things considered, positive. Big day for them. Yeah. But let's talk about the guy who that a lot of folks felt would be maybe a laughing stock and a danger. And then that's Cody Ware. The guy actually had a pretty respectable weekend overall. Aside from spinning it in practice, which, well, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, obviously, you're going to get that. Magnuson had his moments too, where he, he struggled to even be on par with the 52. And even Jimmy Johnson. Johnson had a strong final practice. It was at the top 10 for a couple minutes, ended up top 15. Spun it in the race, didn't have a good day, but it looked like it was probably his best week he's had so far. But obviously, the results won't show it. But back to where. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, uh, a track like Road America, four miles, you really can't do cause any harm or fall a lot. It's very you have to have some sort of problem to fall at. But at the end, the fact that he was able to beat Connor Daly and Simon Pagenaud at the end was and get a top twenty was it's the most you can do. Really, yeah, I was going to say he wasn't he wasn't as terrible as we all thought. You know, no, it did help to have track track emphasis and all that track experience before because it was one of the few that he tested to my knowledge. So he held his own quite well. I'm still skeptical when he makes that oval start whenever that will be though. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else he has on the books for this year, but uh, yeah, if he does, that'll be interesting. But did, didn't he um, run um, road American Xfinity or no, he must have at some point. I'm going to say Xfinity has been going to road America for a number of years now. So it wouldn't, Surprise me if, you know, it wasn't his first time seeing this race course. But uh, but again, you know, uh, it's a, a solid day for the guy. I mean, you couldn't, uh, you know, we didn't expect him to, you know, hit the top 10 or stand on the podium, you know. And but but he didn't, you know, he didn't wreck everybody else, you know. So I wasn't I wasn't concerned about wreck is more or less how much of a how much he'll play as far as the outcome of of a racing battle. Right, right. Yeah, that's more more than anything else. And also the peer of the competition with road courses. I'm not too terribly concerned. It's more or less when it comes to the ovals, because it's going to happen eventually to where, how they feel. Right. Absolutely. So another guy that finally had a good day, uh, Will Power, you know, on the podium, it's another guy who's, uh, you know, kind of had a tough, well, anybody in a Penske has had somewhat of a tough season. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, even Scott has had, kind of regressed a bit as well so yeah well, dixon true. dixon is still there uh, you know he's not had any horrible finishes he's still right there collecting points every week you know if it weren't for if it weren't for the double points at indianapolis where where scott finished a lot farther back than you would expect him he'd be right in the thick of that battle. 17th right mm-hmm <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if, it, if that, if the Stephen Wilson caught, yeah, the Stephen Wilson caution really didn't help him when it came out. So, yeah, he but you got to watch out for Scott. But, but, but to Palou's credit, you know, we were talking about this the other day. The, the, the 10 hasn't outperformed the nine since the Dario Franchini days. Yeah, you most know, wins so. for somebody not named Dixon in a decade with Franchini. Yeah, which kind of it throws out the whole. Uh, there's a lot of you know folks who think that, that team is, or you know, since Frankie left, the team is built around Dixon, 
and every every component of that team is designed to help Dixon win championships. But um, you know yeah. this 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 particular season is kind of showing that uh, uh, maybe that's not entirely one hundred percent the case. You know, because Palou is now got a pretty decent lead, so they'd be foolish not to you know give all their best resources you know to to pollute mm. to, to keep him out front hey okay Richie, mm. what, what do you want to say over mm. there a couple of, i i i think that uh, dixon's a wily old fox he's not gonna get let blue beat him without a fight i mean if you look at it outside of indy you know dixon's finishing top 10 every race this year i think he's the only driver that's he's got the, the highest sort of top 10 hit ratio uh blue's finished out the top 10 twice and, you know, Dixon, he's not having a great season, but he's picking up points, you know, fourth, fifth, third, seventh. You know, he's just, you know, checking them off point by point. And he's only, what, 50 points behind or something. I mean, that can be made up pretty quickly with a couple of good weekends. That's one That's and, one race win, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, you know, if he finishes ahead of, uh, you know, what's the six, seven races left? If he finishes ahead of Pillow out of five of the seven, which is very doable, you'd imagine he would, he would overtake that points deficit. Um, but I, I, the one thing that I, I wanted to mention, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, but it's becoming more and more of a recurring thing, is you know the, the team Penske's performance. The definitely, you know, not only has the actual results dropped off, but these mistakes and errors that you're seeing are creeping in. You know, the last two weekends. A prime example, you know, Penske should have won all, could have and should have won all three races the last, you know, last last two race weekends, and they're sitting there with the best result of second, and it's it's not great, and and I, I wanted to get your your guys sort of input. Do you think this ties in, and there's any? correlation between Roger buying the series and the drop-off in performance here? Well, I mean, the thing Roger has done when he bought the series, what he said he was going to do was to make himself totally hands-off from the race team itself. So, you know, while he's still there at the tracks and whatnot, he's not really as hands-on in the day-to-day operations. Yeah. As, and, and, and so now it's, it's, it's apparent that, yeah. So maybe even though uh, he was the older guy, maybe his, his input was pretty darn important, you know, and, and yeah. obviously Cindric is a very sharp guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Cindric knows what he's doing, but you've got one less, uh, you know, with Roger out of the equation, you've got one less really sharp guy, not that the, the other guys aren't sharp, but I mean, but Roger has been in this business since, you know, before you guys were born. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think there is something to that. And, and the team just has to kind of learn to, to work without Rogers direct supervision. And, and I feel that they'll get there. They're still a very professional organization. There's they, they're right on the cusp of winning races. They just having these silly mistakes, as you say, or short yeah. or ill time cautions as well. But you've got to be able to react to it though, haven't you? You know, it's all part of racing. Yeah. You know, you, you can say that circumstance costs you, but it, does it really? You know, especially the willpower issue at Detroit and the Joseph Newgarden issue at Road America this last week. You know, that issue for Newgarden appeared early in the race. He was talking about on the radio. He said he went to shift to third and he just got a box of neutrals and eventually it jumped back into, into gear. And then obviously under the restart, maybe everything's cooled down a little bit. You know, the, the, the oil pressures have dropped. Uh, 
just come back and bites him again. Yeah, they were concerned about the yellows. It's, it, both radio and telecast were emphasizing a bit of that how these cautions could have not come at a worse time or they were concerned about it because they were caution after caution. Which we, I, I, you know, I, with Road America, you don't really see it that often as no. well. So this, I, I, I don't think their concern came necessarily on the face of it from uh, a concern about reliability because you don't really know what's going on there. Obviously, you know, your concern comes from a point of, okay, well, this is resetting the field. And you know that's not yeah it's like not great, um, but yeah I I I I I really think that something I don't think something's wrong at Penske. Goodness me, you know Penske are such an organisation. There's nothing ever wrong per se, but you know even in the Cup Series they haven't been phenomenal. You know I I don't know how many races there were between them, but they're certainly not on the Hendrick level. And They've I don't only know how won one apiece, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. they, they got three, three. Each of their guys have won one apiece. And... Which is okay, but I'm sure Roger wants to have won far more than that come midseason. Especially from Brad, if with all that yeah. whole, whole rumbling thing right now that's going on. Exactly. So there's something, something's a little bit amiss there. And, you know, you wonder, it's like any, goodness me, it's like any sports team, isn't it? Or organization win. You know, when the legendary coach steps down or the, you know, the key player or whatever, you know, walks away, then there is always going to be a time of readjustment and resettling and, and find everybody finding their feet. But, um, you know, you just, oh, you just, you hate to see guys like Pagano and Will Power especially struggling because they're, they're towards the latter end of, the, end of their career, I, I think it's pretty safe to say. And, you know, you want to see them fighting up front. You don't want to see Will Power sort of, what is he, like 10th or 11th in the standings? You know, he's sort of scrapping around for points here and there and seeing whatever he can get. I mean, yeah, he got, he's had a couple of podiums, but it's nothing, you know, Will Power wants two podiums from two races, not two. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not the Will Power races. used to season. Will, Will Power, you know, used to be good for four or five race wins a season. Exactly. Without you know, even yeah. thinking even, about it, yeah. Even qualifying, he's not been so much of a threat at all this year. He has. I don't think he's. I don't. He hasn't won a pole this year. No. No. He's no, been he quiet on the, He's been quiet on qualifying as well as overall. They just the speed has not been there. So if they what is it nine races? I'm just sorry. I don't know this off the top of my head. I am checking this on Wikipedia. But nine of the 16. nine races this season, he's only led laps in three of them. You know, which, and qualifying has been just new garden with yeah. those. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and it's and McLaughlin, really. McLaughlin has not been setting the world on fire at all. Yeah, a lot, since a lot of the people 500. Had, yeah, a lot of people had really high hopes for this guy, and he's. I just, mean, you know, again, he's it's okay. Just, he's a he's a he's a rookie, yeah, but he's he's in a Penske yeah. car. You know what I mean? Yeah, but because, if if Grosjean had if Grosjean had done Texas and Indy, Grosjean would have been well ahead of McLaughlin in the championship. I think. He's only what uh, fifty points behind him, and he's missed three races, and one of those was double points. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. And he'll run that, Gateway at the moment. It hasn't been official, official, but the speculation is going to run Gateway. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I think if they continue this trend, you know, Grosjean had a couple of bad races in Detroit, but outside of that, he's been stellar. And I could quite easily see Grosjean pipping McLaughlin for the Rookie of the Year. And everybody was saying, oh, 
McLaughlin's got this sewn up because he's the only guy doing a full season. I, I mean, it's going to. I tell you this, Richard. Look pretty crap for him if he doesn't. I tell you this, Richard. Would you would you give him a good shot at the finale at Long Beach as of being as wrapping up the year as a winner, or do you think he's going to win beforehand? I think Grosjean would, would. I think he'll get another podium before the end of the season for definite. And I think there's every chance that he will win another race. He will win a race this year. You know, the, the, yeah, I mean, mid Ohio. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we got Indy. You got, you got, yeah. got, yeah. got mid Ohio, Indy Road Course again. You've got Portland coming up, which are Where all tracks that favor him. Where did he qualify on, Saturday, on last weekend? Seven. It was okay. But he, you know, he was pretty, you know, was probably, he was pretty ballsy. You know, he he's not. I think it's great to see that, you know, he's, and you don't necessarily see it so much in Formula One and you don't have an opportunity for the drivers to show it, but he wasn't, you know, he's not afraid to mix it with the best of the guys out there. You know, he's going shoulder to shoulder with IndyCar veterans out there and commanding respect, not just saying, Oh, I'm coming through. You know, it's like people are sitting up right now and taking note of it. And um, I think that, you know, he's doing a great job. What's his contract? Is it a year or two years? I don't know. I don't think uh, it's specified. But I wouldn't surprise me if he just has a really strong end to the season. You know, would uh, Andretti turn around and think, oh, you know, if you drive the ovals, you want to come and race for it? You know, not that Andretti is any particularly better than where they're sat at the moment, where he's sat at the moment. But if he if he makes that commitment to do the ovals next year, which I know he's rumbling about possibly doing it um you know could the could he you know he i think he could be you know a dark horse for potentially really being strong next year because the guy knows what he's doing oh yeah no doubt no doubt he knows what he's doing yeah but put him in a in a car that's a, a few levels up from a coin car and, and this is not oh, to yeah. say a coin card a coin car is bad because you know coin cars have it known I mean, to win races yeah, they yeah. brought guys yeah. that deliver. With the, with, look with at the below. right guy. Yeah, but he's certainly shooting above his weight. I think at the moment in some of his performances, you know, look at Indy, look at Red American, even even you know the first couple of the races of the season. You know, he was new to the sport and beating experienced, um, you know, veterans of the series there in the first few races. Yeah, he's he's really done well. I mean, and then when you contrast it to some of the guys that we expected to do well this year, like Rossi, who's been yeah. nowhere all year, uh, James Hinchcliffe coming back has not really made any way no. to speak that's of. That's been a struggle. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, you know. And and, people say about the twenty, oh, it's the twenty six or twenty six. But keep in mind, this is the twenty nine is theoretically the old eighty eight. As, as we look at Herda, it took him. This is only a second podium of the season, quietly finishing second out of all of this. I think uh, what we've seen from Herda is that and I don't think it's I don't think it's the performance issue. Sometimes maybe the driver or the equipment that they have, or we talked about it even a bit. Do they have too many cars where they focus yeah. on one or two, and then the other was flounder? But, but you know, Herda is another good example. I mean. You know, he's won a race and he came second last weekend. But outside of that, he's been incredibly inconsistent. He's been yeah, everybody. Yeah, for the last couple of years, he's been. Yeah, he's either winning, everybody winning, or he's it. also ran. Yeah, every yeah, race, and there's no doubt this guy is quick. You know, there's no doubt the 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 kid has talent, and he's still what 
19, he's 20, 2021 or something like that, isn't he? He's, he's, you know, he's still very young in his career, but, you know, he's, he's 21, but you look at Renus VK is a year younger than him as Mr. Race and is still ahead of him in the championship. Right. And then, of you course, know, you know, Award and Palou are two young guys, too. Those guys are, they're both very young and they're, those guys are and, and, pretty much the top two drivers in the, in the series this year. Yeah. So you've got to look at, you know, so VK's in, and he's, you know, VK's in a car that is supposedly, an underfund, you know, not underfunded, but not a top three car. So I think there's pressure on guys like Colin Herter and, you know, he's got to start, you know, everybody, and I'm not saying this in a negative, I'm not saying everybody can win a race, but a lot of guys go out and can win the odd race here and there. But championships, you, you know, Scott Dixon has won the same number of races as Colin Herter, but he's nearly 60 points ahead of him in the championship by consistently knocking off those top fives and top tens. That's what wins your championships, not winning one, you know. I mean, you look at the, I'll say, I've got it up here, Colton Herter's first three results, 22nd, first, 22nd. Well, that's not going to win you a championship, is it? No, not at all. And he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be like, Driving Formula One in a couple of years. AF, no. no gotta get he's that consistency. It. And that's been yeah, the thing you know, of his whole career so far. But uh, no, 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 he's only 21. He's very, very young. And a lot of guys haven't even stepped up to the, you know, the, the series by that age. But how many races has he run? You know, he's this is his third full season, is it? Yep. Maybe fourth. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a veteran. You know, he's not a Scott Dixon or a Will Power, but if everybody's raving about them as much as they are, he's got to improve this consistency and, you know, bring... No, I'm not saying he's got to win every race, but Turner do what Scott Dixon does. Turn a 15th place finish into a 10th place finish and turn a 10th place car into a 5th place finish. You know, bring home the results when the car isn't fast. Yeah, that's exactly, that's yeah, exactly what championship to do, yeah. for sure. Because you you can have one or two non top ten finishes, but the rest you probably got to be in the top ten to be in the hunt. Period. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and the one thing I mean, this day and age, you know, with the reliability of the cars, you know, the amount of cars that finish each race, you know, you can't afford those uh, finishes towards the back. You know, it used no. to be. Yeah, it used to be. You know, back in the day, you could. Uh, in the seventies, if you won four races and had five DNFs, you'd be the Formula One champion. Why? Because there, exactly. so, there were so many DNFs. Now you've got, uh, you know, more often than not, you, you know, you've got less than two, three DNFs in um in a race because the cars yeah. are a lot more bulletproof. Uh, they're less prone to mechanical failure unless you have a Joseph Newgarden gearbox <laughs> so, or willpower or willpower or, or willpower ECU. ECU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we're off to mid-Ohio next, but we've got a couple of weeks off in between. Or, or yeah, 4th of July. 4th of July weekend, we'll be at uh, mid-Ohio. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, uh, in the Do coming weeks. Do we know weeks. anything about um, VK and... Uh, um, Not uh, yet, Rosenquist. Rosenquist, yeah. Do we know anything Not, about their I, participation? I, I, I think that they're both... Slated to be back. Well, I, th- I think I think Rosenquist has Felix got a better is. chance. Felix yeah. is slated to be back. I'm not sure what the timetable is for 
VK. I hadn't, you know, he had surgery. Um, That's Montoya. He knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll he see. knows recovery period for this. <laughs> but uh, again, it could be another another opportunity for Oliver Askew, who is a guy who you know lost his seat. Uh, with McLaren and um, he needs to, every time he's asked to sub, he needs to give everything he can uh, to show, to show that he belongs in the series. Cause at the end of the day, the guy's got some good talent, but, but if he's got no, no place to showcase it, you know, so if he gets an, if he gets another call up, he really needs to make the most of that. But let's talk about, uh, uh, the cup cars were in Nashville, the Nashville Super Speedway out in Lebanon. Uh, this the first cup race there, I believe. They had held uh, truck races and uh, Xfinity races there in the past. Um, yep. Before first the, the race tra- at before the Super that track Speedway. was that track was closed for a time, but now it's uh, back up and running. And uh, look like they got a, a good crowd on hand. They, uh, you know, they were able to sell hey. to the full capacity. Yeah, strong crowd, but a lot of it was basically Kentucky to Electric Boogaloo, except much better because I think it looked like nearly everybody were there by the drop of the green flag. I think they delayed it a bit to assure it. So they had traffic issues all throughout the week, even drivers and personnel had a hard time getting there. They were stuck in traffic as well. Hmm. You know, you know, interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't heard all that, but uh, it makes sense. I mean, I, I've been out to that track. Um, I, I used to go there when the Indy cars raced there, but of course they didn't have the, the, they added additional grandstands for this one. I want to say that place has only has about 30,000 permanent seats. So, so they added those uh, temporary grandstands in the turns there to sell more seats. And I, I think they said they sold 40 to 45,000. So that's it's a bigger crowd than I've ever kind of had to deal with before. And it just the infrastructure isn't there. You're not you're not right in Nashville proper. It's it's kind of it's in Lebanon, which is a little farther out in the country. Yeah, compared to in August where it's going to be right at the streets of Nashville. For IndyCar. But yeah, it, it was a good sight to see them back in Nashville. And of course, no surprise of our race winner. Yep, three in a row, three points paying races in a row, right? Four overall because he won the All Star. Correct. Mm-hmm. He's so, finished yep. in the top two the last six straight races. Yeah, so this guy is really putting his stamp on this season to the dis- dismay of everybody else. It's really um, making my bold prediction look improbable by the day. <laughs> I still remember I said he'll be out of the first round. Yeah, but it yep, doesn't look like play. it right now. But yeah, he's uh he is um, he's he's hard to beat week in and week out. And it looked like one of the bigger issues uh, on this particular track. I saw a lot of guys were having issues with the brakes. Yeah, which Ryan is, Blaney had problems from the very beginning. It got it pretty much went from bad to worse. I think was it Chris Busher who's trying to get into the playoffs had tremendous problems to the point that Justin Haley was having a phenomenal run in that Aspire car. He's going to be running. Full-time cup next year with colleague racing. We could discuss more about charters next time about it in greater detail. But top break <laughs> for those three guys that I mentioned because they were doing – Blaney, we talked about Penske. They haven't had much luck. They've only won one apiece with Logano, Hamlin – I mean, not Hamlin, Logano, Kislowski, and Blaney. Hamlin's, and then, Hamlin's still winless on the season. Which yep, is, and his regular is, season points lead is dwindled. 
yeah, his regular season points lead is now down to 10 compared to, what, 100 or so before Kyle Larson was racking up all those wins. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, Denny, Denny can certainly use a win just to, you know, put a smile on his face if nothing else. Yeah, fortunately, guess what? Doubleheader in Pocono. Going to come at a perfect time for Denny if he wants to get that regular season title, but also assure himself the win at some point, which I think can be done, but I feel like it's going to be Truex that may be the strongest core of the Gibbs trio. I mean, quartet, excuse me. Right. Now we're doing <laughs> we're doing back-to-back races on Saturday, Sunday in Pocono, correct? That is correct. And one's uh, there. What, what is it? One's a 300, one's a 350, one's a 400, or... Or are they both 400s? I can't remember. They had some weird with the format. I think it's not 400. Well, they're, they're, both, they're both. They're both. Some reason I was thinking one race was shorter than the other. Maybe I, maybe I made that up. I don't know. But yeah, it's the only doubleheader of the year for Pocono. And then it'll be curious to see if Larson can continue it. I don't think so. I think we're going to see different winners this time. There's a lot of guys out there that could use a win, you know. Uh, the defending series champion, Chase Elliott, got disqualified. <laughs> yeah, I know. Still winless on the year. If you have the ask, Chase no, no, Martin. no, no. He won Coda. Elliott won Coda, so he has a win, but he has a. Re- but oh, yes, he that, did. Yeah, he did. You're right. Yeah, he was the last guy not named Kyle Larson to win. As a matter of fact, I think Hendrick is what of, uh, five uh, in Hendrick a row, like yeah. six in a row or something. Five in a yeah. row, yeah. Including the All Star race would be six in a row. They won five in a row. You go back to Darlington for the no, yeah, six in a row with Bowman. So yeah, it's yeah, been over a month. It's been yeah. over a month. So you safe to say William Byron is due for a win, and I have him actually winning the Saturday race and Truex on Sunday. Yeah, but you don't really need to win, Kevin Harvick. I mean, the, That's the, another one. The, the Stuart Haas team has hardly been heard from this year. They finally got <laughs> top, a pair of top fives with Paul Sitter, Eric Amarola getting his first top five all year. That was his best race he's had since that win in the duels. Yeah. Harvick got a top five for the first time in quite a while. He's moved up a couple spots in the top 10 regular season standings. But yeah, both there's a lot of guys that needed that strong run. Stanhouse got a top 10. That will certainly help his chances of our as creeping into the playoffs, but you still have a lot of races to go, a lot of tracks to go to where we have 11 different winners still. We can still see more unless Larson wins out, which I, if he wins out somehow, who regular season that is, we're talking about Gordon numbers or even higher. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's a tall, tall order to win out. I and mean, he's on a, he's a nice, nice little role now, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of races left in the regular season, yeah, including, and- including a lot of really interesting races too. You know, when, when, when we get to Indianapolis, we're going to run the, uh, the road course rather than the oval, you know? So, but yeah, anyway, so we, we are just about out of time. So, uh, so you like, uh, what'd you say? Um, Byron and Truex. Like Byron and Truex. Okay. So, uh, and Richard, who do you like for Pocono? Frank, you, you can't look past Larson for one of them. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kyle Busch. All right, and I'm going to say that uh, Denny Hamlin gets one in the bag. Uh, Pocono is one of his favorite tracks. He's won there a number of times. And then I'm going to say that, uh, you know, after Hamlin wins the first race, Kyle Larson says, no, it's my job to win races, and he wins the second one. So (laughs) that being said, um, we're out of time. So I want to thank you, Richard, and I want to thank you, Louise. 
I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you folks who listen to us. Until next week, good night. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's Hoobazoo.com. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's Hoobazoo.com.